Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Shout out to all our new homeowners in the audience. Uh, Two-thirds of your fellow conspiracy realists are currently new homeowners right now, recording in their houses. I have to ask you guys, Matt Noel, before we set off on this journey, what was the vibe like when you moved into your house? I'm going somewhere with this. Oh, man. Um... I don't know. It felt it felt kind of clear. I haven't really felt any malevolent spirits dwelling in the eaves quite yet, but you never know. So it always takes time for those things to work themselves out and express themselves. Mm. Um, it, it is finally starting to feel like kind of like my house. Uh, speaking of clean, 
I actually hired a company to deep clean it. Not the kind of clean we're talking about today, but that really bumped it up a notch. Let me tell you, the difference between <laughs> sort of clean and deep clean are like miles. Uh, it, it also felt like a spiritual weight was lifted off when that happened. But yeah, n- nothing, nothing uh, spooky to report just yet. I've got lemons at the four corners. We'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> ben, when you live, I remember there was a house you lived in that had that really cool basement. Did you ever have anything like negative energy around that basement? Well, energy is energy, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm the wrong person to answer, but uh, energy is like another technology or another force of nature. Uh, it can do a million things, and it really, as we'll see, uh, a big part of our exploration today is whether there is such a thing as inherently good or bad energy? And to what degree uh, do humans have agency in countering it? Uh, thank you so much for asking about me, Matt. I appreciate that. Uh, our, one of our questions for everybody listening today is whether or not you believe in bad vibes. Uh, not the uh, amazing Jeff Goldblum film, which we reference so often, uh, not just the agglomeration of nonverbal cues that subconsciously alert human beings to dangerous situations. Side note, we were talking about this off air. Everybody right now should read a fantastic book called The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. Also, yes, uh, our corporate overlords will black bag us and put us in Honda Odysseys, Oh, the indignity. If we do not tell you to, please pre-order our book if you have yet to do so. Yes, please. The Gift of Fear, while a valuable read, doesn't particularly address some of the things we're looking at today. We're looking at the other stuff. That's what we're asking about. Like All of us have encountered someone who claims they can sense when there's something you know off about a place the soil is sour and so on. Uh, Like you may have encountered people who were claiming they can erase or even mitigate these sensations for lack of a better word. And without pissing off the Catholic church, you might've run into people who claim they can exercise a house. Uh, Have have you guys ever felt a bad vibe when you walk into a place? I've never encountered that necessarily. I am sometimes when I walk into a place where I'm aware there's a history, then I think that's just a, I mean, in my mind, that's a psychological reaction I'm having rather than actually feeling some kind of energy, if that makes sense. Although in the old office where I used to record, uh, there was a grounding issue with the electricity, which did give it a strange feel, maybe. But again, that's something I was aware of. Do you feel like it's, First, I love that this foreshadowing, Matt, that is definitely, we're getting into the power of belief and the power of uh, information, really. Have you run into someone who has been convinced that they met a bad place, like an Amityville? Check out our earlier episode on that. Or, uh, you know, a Lizzie Borden episode. Check out our strange news segment on when that bed and breakfast got sold. I, uh, I'll i be honest, cards on the table. I do get vibes from different places and I cannot explain them. What vibes did you get when you were in my house? See, that's the real question. Which house? 
W-H-I-C-H. I mean, folks, I forgot. This is an audio podcast. Which house? Wait, have you been in this one already? No. Ben does a uh, Ben does kind of a concierge service where he will exercise your place uh, before you even know it needs it, and he'll do I'll do it while you're not home yep, in the most yep. unobtrusive of ways. So if you before notice you a little sage in. smell, yeah, exactly. No, I mean I don't know. I I, I certainly I think it's, it's for me it's more psychological with people too. I think I just sense certain mechanics that people tend to operate within and I can maybe get a sense of like what their vibe is based on the phrases they use, the way they talk, the body language and all of that. So I don't know that I believe necessarily in spiritual presences. I'm with you, Matt, on the history because I do feel like that's psychological as well. If you know about the history of the place that you're entering, it's sort of like knowing what a piece of art, you know, what the context around it means. It gives you a better sense of being able to like interpret what the piece of art was about rather than just like going in cold. Um, But I mean, that's not to say that people don't truly, truly believe this stuff. And there isn't like a whole industry wrapped around it. There's a, um, a really interesting story about David Bowie um, in his cokiest of periods around the making of the album station to station uh, where he rented this mansion in Los Feliz in uh, in L.A. Uh, used to belong to the bassist of Deep Purple. And then he hired uh, a uh, white witch who was very well known in that part of, uh, of Hollywood to exercise uh, what was, was went on to be referred to as his cocaine palace um, because he definitely sensed some uh, some bad vibes there. But he was also uh, horribly uh, addicted to cocaine and was only surviving on milk and red peppers and spent most of his free time watching Nazi propaganda videos on uh, on 35 millimeter film. Who hasn't been there? You know, some human experiences are universal. Uh, hopefully not David Bowie's experience. And if that is your experience, I very much hope you find yourself in better spirits now. Oh my gosh, he said spirits. Where are we going? Here are the facts. We're talking about an ancient practice in the modern day. Uh, let's get to it through pop culture. If you are a certain type of horror fan, you may remember an especially uh, compelling medium, a show stealer in the film Poltergeist. In Poltergeist, Tangina Barons uh, helps the Freeling family tackle a supernatural threat from beyond the grave. She has this famous line. Let me see if I can pull my register up to the voice. This house is clear. This house That's it. is clear. Something like that. She's not referring yeah. to the carpet. Yeah. It's not a deep clean. She's talking about their work ridding this house of an evil supernatural presence named Kane. If you want to know the backstory, watch the rest of the franchise, hopefully freely available uh, to you. And we all know. Wasn't Kane in Poltergeist 2? Well, Kane is the original beast. The original, the the monster was and always is. What's the creepy guy's name? The creepy preacher guy. Isn't his name like Reverend Kane? Yeah, Kane. That's what I'm saying. Kane is so he's the, just he's just the new personification of that. Okay, I guess I you didn't just learn Kane, more about the they they do more world building. Got it. Got it. Noel's off to Google. It. One, Check it out. Check out the, it. The first one has the spooky clown though, right? You know, uh, maybe that's a rewatch for me. Poltergeist exists is a very interesting Venn diagram of family adventure and straight up horror. Uh, the reason we're bringing up Poltergeist is that it's a work of fiction, but It is not from whole cloth. Again, few things exist in a vacuum. There are numerous cases of people 
from the past to the modern day who really do believe their houses or certain locations are haunted or, you know, they need a vibe check. And these folks feel they have to enact some sort of ritual to rid the location of this presence, this vibe, this aura, this miasma, whatever you want to call it. And it has a lot to do, uh, or has a lot of commonality with exorcism rituals that we examined at length in previous episodes. It's not necessarily always a bad thing. A purification ritual, you know, unless you're the biggest stick in the mud ever, it's a good thing, right? If you're not hurting someone, I mean, you like you see it today, right? You see it today in many spiritual belief systems. One must uh, purify oneself before entering a temple or a holy place, some sort of particular location. You um, ablute yourself maybe with water, or you might be in a place like the Baps Temple here near Atlanta, wherein you have a a process of pushing smoke toward yourself, toward your face and over your head, right? And that is simply to purify you, to give you the blessing of something divine. In other cases, cultures might hold a ceremony not to purify the person, but to purify the place. Uh, And it gets ugly if you go pretty far back. You can see the idea of human sacrifice being used to sanctify or make official the founding of a a thing. But nowadays, most times, uh, groups of people and communities are not sacrificing a child, a human child or a or an animal to sanctify a place or make it official, uh, most of the time when you hear about clearing or cleansing a house of bad vibes, you're going to read about something like the practice of smudging, which we'll discuss in a moment. Um, I don't know, like to keep it brief, to stay immediate, uh, smudging, you burn sage. Right, That's how uh, most of the West does it. You burn a particular type of sage, you get the bad vibes out. Is that everybody's understanding? Am I off base? Am I being too broad? You're not off base. I think there are other substances that can be used or are often used in conjunction with sage. Sure, sweet grass. Uh, But yeah, we, we we can get into that. Palo Santo is a really big one. That's well, Palo Santo. Yeah, exactly. But that that is that's like a type of wood. Um, and sage is more of like a bundle of, of herbs. I find that they smell very, very similar. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the scent, but it is distinct, and it usually is done with some intention. And I think, Ben, to your point, whether you believe in the efficacy of these types of things, uh, I think laying out intention can be very important, or even just sort of like setting a base level of like, you know, I'm, I'm going to honor this house that I'm about to occupy or, or that I'm about to spend time in or whatever. And it is a way of sort of being in some way connected, more connected with the space. And I think that's cool. Yeah. And we'll get into it, but you can see why all of these things play a part psychologically on the people that are both, you know, uh, doing the rituals as well as the people who are receiving the rituals. There's, there's a psychological effect, no matter what the spiritual or metaphysical effects may be. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And it's easy, all too easy to 
consign these experiences to the dusty halls of ancient history. But we have to consider this. Even if science, as understood in 2022, has advanced over millennia, people, the actual people, are largely the same as you are now when you're hearing this. They're working with the information they have. Uh, They want to be the cool kid in the room of their society. They want their children to have a better life than them. They like to eat. They like naps. All the hits. Uh, And as such, a lot of the people in ancient civilizations held a lot of the same broad concerns, same fears, same goals, you name it. If you explained to them, right, if someone from, let's say, Oh, gosh, let's say someone from like 2000 BCE all of a sudden was your roommate and you told them that Crocs were cool and you conveyed to them that Crocs were like a socially important thing, then they would understand the value of Crocs because they're not that different from you. Like, uh, this is a great example. Okay. Can I, can I just say really quickly, Ben? I'm I'm wearing Crocs right now. Uh, I've decided to make the full plunge into Crocs wearing dumb um, because they have kind of made a comeback. But my kid is not about it. And the more she gives me crap about it, the more I'm just going to lean harder in. They're bright blue Crocs. So that's all. That's all I wanted to say. I welcome, I welcome uh, your new horizon of Normcore. Uh, and you know what? Maybe call it Dadcore uh, because you're, you're doing an awesome job with it. I know. I, Come by, honestly. I will. I will tell Eden to to lay off or double down. You tell us which way you want to go, and I got your back. Uh, so he, Just remember to wash them regularly. That's that's all. Or, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, wash them. Uh, but, uh, but here's the thing. Uh, so when I was thinking of modern analogs, right, uh, This it's so easy to look back on people who were the same as you, but they had access to less information than you do now, uh, or less, uh, you have access to different kinds of information if you're alive now, right? Uh, many people listening today would be, frankly, embarrassing existing out in the wild. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, uh, just the same way that many other people uh, from thousands of years ago would be clueless when it came to uh, the ins and outs and nuances of modern society. So here is an analog that shows us just how common this belief in bad vibes has been for thousands and thousands of years. Not for nothing did I set up the fact that you guys are new homeowners. I don't want to be weird about it, but... uh, (laughs) When you were buying, when you were buying your houses, when you guys were negotiating, were you aware of the various laws, which are weirdly specific, about selling a house where a death has occurred? It's a disclosure thing, right? Like you're there, you are required to disclose it if it's happened within a certain period of time. In Alaska, California, and South Dakota. Uh, The thing is, you don't really, in the U.S., you don't have to disclose a peaceful death on the property. If you are in the three states I just named, uh, then you, I believe the way it goes is that in California, 
you have to disclose any death on a property within the last three years before the purchase. Uh, if you are in Alaska and South Dakota, it's any death within the past year. And if you are in other states, it's going by a thing. I made this up. Let me, I'm going to pitch to uh, Nolan Matt here. I like to call it the guacamole rule. The information is available on request. So when you're talking to the, uh, the people selling the house or whichever, you know, like proxy of them there is, you have to ask them if someone died. And in many states, they have to tell you. Wow. Is that like, yeah, if, if I ask you if you're a cop, you got to tell me if you're a cop. Abracadabra, right? this is Abracadabra. May, may, may be true. Wait, wait, wait. So you have to ask. Like, there, there's no, that's it. Like you just have to think to ask. Yeah, it's like how, you know, I call it the guacamole rule because in many places, guacamole is available upon request, right, in a menu. Also, it costs extra. and they. But here's the thing, Ben. At some places, I find it obnoxious that they tell you, you ask for guacamole, that guacamole is $2 extra. And, like, has that ever stopped someone from getting guacamole? And, and like, are they? is that some legal thing? They're covering their asses so they don't get yelled? I mean, I know it's that, but I just find that funny. It's two different sides of the guacamole Cost, rule. Um, ben, do, do you think, I mean, I, I think this maybe makes sense. Because if I care enough religiously or in some sort of spiritual way um, about these sorts of things, then I would probably care enough to ask or do my own research. But is that giving people too much credit? I, I don't know. Like, I'm just wondering, like, what the logic is here. Yeah, the logic is somewhere between let the buyer beware and somewhere between tell me what I'm actually buying. The rules do change when the death in question was violent. A murder or a suicide, especially one that's highly publicized, is considered on the same level as asbestos or lead paint or uh, water damage, right? Or maybe a crack in a foundation. It stigmatizes the property. This is seen as something that can affect the home value, which is so weird because it's not the fact that someone died, that a human life was lost there. It's the manner in which it was lost. So violent events in the past still matter. And to many people, they matter quite a lot. We have to ask why. Like if bad vibes are not real, and if we bracket off secular concerns like social opprobrium or maybe like effects on, I don't know, zip codes and school districts, then we have to note the obvious. That's all that's left. People, by and large, do seem to believe that bad things, bad vibes can remain after uh, the time has passed after those physical components of those events are gone. And it doesn't have to be a death, no. right? It could just be negative energy. Like that That's what I keep hearing in, in research for this. Death is a major factor, but maybe that's not it. Maybe it's how someone lived or who a lived there. A school where children were abused. Right, like, do you have to disclose if the previous owner was a real jerk? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, yelling at people and grumping around all the time. Like this guy lived here his entire life. And he only tipped 9% to waiters for decades. <laughs> like, no, but honestly, also what you can't not, man, you can't not. It, it's a good point too, Matt, because it's, um, it's the idea that great emotional danger, harrowing events 
can leave some sort of impression. And people believe in a lot of this. People will take matters into their own hands, attempting to cleanse out any remaining bad vibes. It's not always a death. It's not always something deeply traumatic. It can be a purification thing. Uh, um, it, it can be like, imagine you have lived a long time with um, a romantic partner and you're no longer together and you're still in the house and you say, I want to breathe in and breathe out this bad stuff. So I'm going to burn this sage. I'm going to say some sort of incantation and ritual. I will feel better afterwards. And for many people, that's true. These techniques, of course, uh, we'll focus on smudging for a bit today and you'll see why, but these techniques can be any other number of things. There's a panoply of belief systems and approaches. You know, uh, we talked about the idea of purification with water, purification with smoke. There's some, uh, there are some practices incorporating uh, dirt from one place into another. In the States, one of the most popular, oddly now, one of the most popular sec uh, secular purification processes is a ritual cleansing through the use of smoke known as smudging. It's not the quite... Uh, not quite the same as four lemons in the corners, right? Or lemons in the corners. But uh, you guys know smudging. Have you ever engaged in it? Yeah, my uh, my, my ex-wife, um, who's a good friend of mine, uh, is into that stuff and is always offering to do it for, for me. And she's into, you know, crystals and pendulums and all that stuff. And I fully support it and embrace it. Uh, it's not exactly my bag, but I see how it, it, it makes her feel good and makes her uh, feel like it's like I said, an agency over her uh, her existence and surroundings. I I certainly put it in the same basket as any other religious practice. You know, um, I, I I think it's great, and I you know there's certainly things about it that I find super comforting. Smudging's great. Matt, <laughs> <laughs> you're playing poker uh, with uh, with some cards pretty close to your sternum. I respect you. I don't know what, the, what do you mean. You're playing. You're being diplomatic. You got them close to your chest. I love it. I respect it. It's, it's not hurting anyone, right? As long as we, as long as we practice beliefs and we're not harming anyone, and as long as they are not harming us, then do as thou wilt. Uh, this is weirdly, you know, the crazy thing about smudging. It's an ancient practice, but it's often sadly misunderstood. It's an indigenous practice. It's a native practice that goes way, way back. And there are a lot of folks out there who, uh, you know, God bless them, as they say in the South, bless their hearts. They don't understand where it comes from. Uh, there are practices of old across the world that are quite similar. Uh, there's something called saining in Scotland. Uh, indigenous Australia also has smoking ceremonies. Smudging uses the smoke of certain plant matter. Um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it might be sweetgrass, might be red cedar, might be white sage, any number of things to accomplish any number of goals. It's not always to get rid of the bad vibes. It might be used just to heal a place or to set things off on the right note as you spend time there. And it's important to clock this, folks. Different communities use different plants and herbs. What is considered 
super cool and appropriate in one culture for one thing may be absolutely taboo or misused in another. And as we'll see, there are controversies involved in this practice. But with all that being said, takeaway, there are tons and tons of people who have sought to enact some sort of purification ritual on a place with bad vibes. Here's the question. Does it actually work? I propose we pause for a word from our sponsor and then tackle this question. (laughs) Oh, we're going to tackle it. I don't know if we'll answer it. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time. Not just to go back to school but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Here's where it gets crazy. Well, whether or not this works depends on what we mean by work. I know, I know, I know. We're at one of those pesky intersections, yet again, of science, spirituality, psychology, and belief. Have to be the downers. Now we have to be the bad guys in this conversation and say, yet again, at least as of the time we are recording this, no supernatural entities have been universally objectively proven to exist that means yes the infernal that means yes the divine that means yes ghost all of that stuff has not been confirmed to exist but 
don't let that make you throw away these rituals if they mean something to you. If you believe in them, there's a reason. Belief is an incredibly powerful thing for both good and for ill. Absolutely. It is is truly um, something that we cannot overestimate the power of. Uh, we know that it can cause changes in the body, like psychosomatic changes or the placebo effect. The idea that believing that something is happening to you um, psychologically can make it happen to your body uh, physically. Um, to some folks, the the notion of explaining how this phenomenon works, the power of belief, is a lot like trying to explain magic and not like uh, not like how a magic trick works, but like the idea of magic, of, of things beyond our realm of understanding of our realm of, of uh, experience you know in this in this world um, to others though uh, perhaps the more skeptical members of, of, the, of the crowd um, we are describing what I just mentioned the idea of the placebo effect um, but if you keep in mind that the placebo effect is a thing it is a provable thing it does provide results we know this um, even when the participants in the experiment know they're getting the placebo, um, this has been confirmed in multiple studies across multiple years. So to that end, I mean, can a smudging, you know, provide some psychological uh, and, and, and by way of, of placebo physical even benefits? I think the clear answer is uh, probably we've got some examples of studies that have really done a quite excellent job of, uh, of explaining this. Oh, phenomenon. definitively. Here's one of my favorites. Uh, okay. Researchers at Harvard, at Harvard Medical School's Osher Research Center and Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center found that placebos do significant work. Get this, folks. Even when patients knew they were taking uh, what are sometimes called blue sky pills. Let's summarize one of these studies from 2010. So 80 patients had irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. You know what I mean? Your gut hurts. You're having pooping issues, et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, I cut out the Jamba juice. What else do I do? I guess I have to enroll in this medical study at Harvard. So they divided these 80 patients into two groups one of which received no treatment whatsoever. They were just being monitored uh, for their swamp, swamp guts. And the other group got placebos that were honestly described as sugar pills. And they were, they were told, hey, take these pills twice a day for three weeks. The associate professor of medicine at Harvard, a guy named Ted Kopchuk, who was leading this study, he described it pretty Plainly, actually, he emphasized that the participants were told this was a placebo. Now, Ted seems like a solid researcher, a brilliant dude, and a good guy. So I think he'd be fine with us playing around and doing a little bit of a dramatic recreation of one of his quotes. Uh, this really I think hits home for us when we're talking about the power of belief. Uh, Matt. If I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you're okay, if you got a good Ted K voice, good Dr. K voice that calls out to you, I think it's time to shine, man. All right. Not only did we make it absolutely clear that these pills had no active ingredient and were made from inert substances, but we actually had placebo printed on the bottle. 
We told the patients that they didn't even have to believe in the placebo effect. Just take the pills. Beautiful. Sounds exactly like Ted Kapchuk. No, it's good. Can we, can we also just get a, another Matt Frederick out of context quote that just says, just take the pills, Matt Frederick. <laughs> this is alluding to an earlier guest appearance we did on a show called Macrodosing. Please check it out. We talk about QAnon in depth. Yeah. Uh, at the end of this three-week trial, where again, 50% of people, 40 participants of the group of 80 people knew they were taking placebos. At the end of this trial, Quote, nearly twice as many patients treated with the placebo reported symptom relief as compared to the control group. And uh, to go on, the patients taking the placebo doubled their rates of improvement, emphasizing that on my own here, uh, to a degree that was, quote, roughly equivalent to the effects of the most powerful IBS medications. How'd I do, Matt? Just take the pills. <laughs> Sorry. Just take your sugar pills. Makes me- <laughs> y'all be sweet now. You'll take your sugar pills and you'll like it, damn it. So this this sounds like a stretch, right? We're comparing consuming physical placebos to ritualistic acts of cleansing. And that might seem offensive. Well, it's not that much of a stretch. It's it genuinely tracks. In an upcoming episode, by the way, speaking of the nature of belief, we're diving deep through the lens of all things Havana syndrome. Stay tuned for that. We have a special guest uh, that will, well, that we hope you like. We like him. We hang out with him. No spoilers. But the long and short of it is this. There is at this point no objective proof that a cleansing ritual, a spiritual ritual for a house, a temple, or another structure objectively works. Right. If you go in, if you go in after any number of rituals, the gravity of the area is going to be the same as the rest of the gravity. The air pollution is going to be roughly the same, minus whatever air filtration devices are around. People are still going to live and die the same way physically. But that's only because there is at present no scientific definition of what we mean when we say bad vibe. You know, like, look, we've been diving into this for a while, right, guys? We know that there are some mundane explanations for things that people can experience that feel very much like a supernatural experience. Infrasound, I think, takes the uh, Platinum Award, right? Uh, Infrasound is probably one of the most amazing explanations for the sensation of experiencing a ghost. But still, there's no real definition of intelligence for humans. There's no real definition of the soul, let alone the angelic or the divine. So I posit that if you cannot, I'm not even positing, it's true. If you cannot define a thing, you cannot measure it. But if it makes someone feel even a little bit better in this chaotic cavalcade of catastrophe called life, if it makes him feel better to do a wow. thing, I'm sorry. Serious alliteration. No, that was the mega dude. Was accidentally. Mega. But if 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 it if if you're doing a ritual and it doesn't hurt anyone, then would it not be dickish to, you know, yuck their yum, as Chuck and Josh would say? Like, 
why would you go out of your way to disrespect something that means that is meaningful to someone else? They're not asking anything of you. They're not hurting you. They're not hurting others. Just be a decent person. I mean, that's the thing. It sounds like maybe we're throwing our lemons out with the rose water here, but it does carry a deal of psychological heft, a great deal. And um, there are controversies. Uh, and if we stay in the realm of the spiritual, uh, we are required to tell you that there are perceived spiritual dangers for true believers. You know, not too long ago, we were privileged enough to have some in-depth conversations with practicing magicians, uh, one of whom uh, was a chaos magician and talked with us in great depth about the importance of following rituals, right? And hermetic magicians, uh, thelemic magicians, will we'll tell you the same thing, these practitioners. They'll say there are detailed processes and steps to follow. In the realm of chaos magic, the main thing is intention. But spoiler alert, in the realms of all magical practice, intention is key. Well, I mean, you know, even podcasting, there's a certain amount of ritual that goes into it. You know, you do the, you do the intro, ad throws, certain recurring motifs that, that any you know, good podcast kind of uh, does. I think it's something that I enjoy when I listen to the podcast that I listen to. I enjoy the ritual of it when we're doing ours together. Um, it, it, again, kind of implies intent and you sort of lay down this sort of like foundational vibe and you sort of work within this framework. But then there's all this like space in between those parts to do kind of to do things differently. Um, I, I think it's it's a it's a very important part of a lot of things in life. Ritual. Yeah. And, it, you know, if you're a lay person and you don't have someone in your family or immediate group that does, you know, house cleansing on a regular basis or burns sage regularly or has a dog that will not stop making lots of noise while you're trying to podcast, um, you may not know exactly what to do. Right. You may be like, oh, well, I'm there. I have this sage. I got it at the store. I'm going to burn it and walk around my house and do what I've seen in the movies. Right. Um, there people in the know will tell you, well, that's one step is like doing that kind of thing, but there are other parts to it. Uh, I just want to see if you guys ever heard of this. One of the main things I've heard is that if you do cleanse a house with Sage or Palo Santo or one of these other, I mean, uh, Copal lavender, one of these other things you need to burn other things afterwards. I didn't know this. I didn't know this was a thing. You need to burn something afterwards because the sage or Palo Santo is uh, neutralizing the energy. And then the other thing is putting positive energy in the space where negative energy once was. I didn't know that I would have, I would have smudged a house completely wrong. Hmm. Well, yeah, I've, I've heard that as well, Matt. Uh, the, you're nailing about the importance of steps, processes, ingredients, intention, preparation, and execution. The true believers will say that to do any of these steps incorrectly, risk more than having a bum cleansing. You might not just be ineffective, you might, they argue, run into negative consequences, problems. Uh, and then again, you know, we have to mention the power of belief, the placebo effect, as we call it often, can function like any other technology, 
it can be very helpful and very dangerous. And this is not just in terms of vague physical symptoms like malaise or a headache. Um, I know we've talked about it off air, but have we talked on air? We must have at some point about, uh, at some bone point, we must have talked about the Kurdaicha uh, in Australia. And forgive my pronunciation, folks. I am not Australian at current. Uh, these are indigenous practitioners of the Arente people in Australia, an indigenous group. They're known for a practice called bone pointing, which is a method for meeting out spiritual justice. And if you look at uh, anthropological reports, which are, of course, a little biased, you can see that there are cases as recently as the 1950s wherein people have apparently died with no attributable physical cause other than the fact that they were cursed and they saw themselves getting cursed. The way bone pointing works is that the, um, the practitioner crafts a special pair of hunting shoes or slippers and then crafts a uh, specific sort of device. I don't know why I'm doing this, like I'm all of a sudden making a bone, but it's uh, it could be kangaroo, emu, human. There are cases where it's made out of wood, and it's made with intention and special ritual. The hunter finds the person. They point at uh, the intended recipient of the curse and deliver the rest of the chant. And... Uh, for the true believers, this is lethal. Uh, it's death by the power, apparently, of belief. Some form of this practice does, by the way, exist in the modern day. I found that in 2004, someone pointed the bone, as it's called, uh, to curse Australian Prime Minister John Howard, former Australian Prime Minister John Howard, who is, as of the time of this recording, still alive. So this, the spiritual side, I guess what we're saying is if you believe in something, if you really believe in it and you're not being performative for, you know, like clicks or likes or whatever on social media, then move correctly and as safely as you can consult the communities from which a given practice originates. And if you are coming from a spiritual perspective, this is key. If you're coming from a skeptical perspective, then this is just a matter of respect. And I think that's equally important. Respect your primary sources there. Yeah, and respect where you point that bone. Respect where you point that bone. You better not be pointing that bone on anybody if you're not ready to use it. That's all I'm saying. Well, also, if I'm tracking these euphemisms correctly, I should say consent is key. Informed consent. Well, I was just more treating it like a weapon, but yeah, that too. And this leads us to another conversation. It's another point of controversy. It's far less spiritual and far more secular. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsors. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay, and even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. 
It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. All right, we're back. Who's been to Bonnaroo? Who saw those pictures of the war bonnets? You know, all all that stuff. The what? War bonnet. It's a uh, it's the headdress you've probably seen with a bunch of eagle feathers often and oh, it trails yeah. down. I think that more I think it's Coachella more that gets a bad rap for that kind of stuff than Bonnaroo. Not not the Coachella's the the California kind of influencer music fest that I think gets a lot of like has in the past gotten a lot of uh, uh, flack for folks coming out and dressing in, you know, culturally appropriative attire. I'm sure it goes on at Bonnaroo too. Well, then my heartfelt apologies to Bonnaroo. And thank you for the <laughs> correction there. No, like this, this is where we talk about appropriation. Appropriation's a real thing. Take smudging, for example. Smudging, again, is an umbrella term for a vast and profound array of differing and quite specific rituals and practices. I mean, okay, I don't want to be a jerk, he says, as he proceeds to say something very jerk-like. In the West, I found that smudging practices as enacted by many non-Indigenous communities are, they're roughly descended from ancient Native practices, but they're descended from it the, it's kind of the same way that like Taco Bell is descended from actual Mexican food. It's a modern, sometimes uninformed take on deep spiritual beliefs and, and things that have been around for a, a much, much longer time. I mean, am I being a jerk? Am I being correct? Little column A, little column B? I don't know. 
You're totally correct. I mean, it's been commodified, just like anything else that that picks up steam culturally gets commodified. I mean, it's the kind of stuff you can buy all this stuff at like a Spencer's Gifts at the mall. Uh, is that inherently bad? Is is it just spreading, you know, a a practice that has you know, positive influence perhaps, and then is a, uh, is a way of centering and kind of calming and, and, and something that could potentially be helpful for people. Is that inherently bad? Well, it depends on your definition of, of appropriation. Like if, if something is from a, is a sacred ritual of a very specific indigenous people, like for example, the headdress you're talking about, probably not cool. But then again, we're talking about sacred rituals as well with some of these materials like like white uh, white sage and juniper and, and uh, Palo Santo and stuff. So you could say it is bad, but I, I don't know. It's hard. I think there's a line uh, and it's important. To, it's about intent as well. Think about the cocaine. Well, in one of these episodes, we talked about cocaine recently. We talked about how much the people who actually harvest the substance that becomes the cocaine, how much they make, you know, on a per kilo basis or something like that and how ridiculously low that amount of money was. Uh, it's the same thing with any of these other substances that are harvested from indigenous lands, right? I mean, it, you're taking a lot, especially if you're a big corporation and you're going to be putting Palo Santo in stores across, you know, countries across the world or in your, you know, Spencer's gifts or whatever. Um, it, it becomes a real problem because you can only source the materials from a limited number of spaces. And if those spaces are, you know, um, run by and occupied by indigenous peoples, then they're likely getting a very, very short end of that stick. Well, and not even not to mention the things like Palo Santo do come from, to your point, Matt, very specific regions. They come from uh, dry tropical forests Um and that's where you get them. And if if all of the Palo Santo sticks are are being you know chopped out of those forests and then shipped over here to be sold at Spencer Gifts or, or Tie Dye Rosie or whatever, um, that's a problem for deforestation. So there's no doubt that smudging or some version of it, uh, particularly burning varieties of sage, white sage, as was foreshadowed earlier, it has become commercialized. There are big, big brands like Urban Outfitters, most famous for ripping off independent artists, uh, and West Elm, most famous for overcharging for kitchen gadgets. Uh, they have sold sage sticks, uh, and there's a dirty trade to it we'll get to. You can even order uh, uh, a smudging kit on Amazon in case you, like us, are still very worried over whether or not Jeff will still make it to space, sort of, kind of, for 11 minutes. But if intention is key, if we have established that and agree with it, we have to question the intention of these entities. And if you are a spiritual person, ask yourself how much uh, that intention washes into your own when you, when you drink from that well. Look, honestly, and you know what? Edit me here, Mission Control. A corporation doesn't give a whether or not you are practicing an ancient divine or uh, spiritual belief system. Even if your family has practiced it for untold generations, they want to know how much of a product they can sell you. And that, my friends, has consequences all its own. That's the next controversy. The world is literally running out of sage. Demand for white sage, which uh, is native to Southern California, has led to this thing, which was a common shrub, uh, being wildly over-harvested. There is, right now, 
as weird as it sounds, a black market for white sage, member of the mint family. You would not be especially impressed if you just walked by it on the road in the wild back in the day. It's a shrub. It has tapering, like pretty neat looking silver leaves. And it grows like many shrubs. It grows back pretty, um, pretty vigorously when it's pruned up to a certain point. And that, you know, that aspect of shrubbery and plants is, is part of the reason there's this myth about uh, hair growing back twice as thick when people shave parts of their body. But at this point, that is not true. Uh, this supply chain, though, for this thing, it's pretty unregulated. It's like, um, how would you regulate crabgrass? How would you regulate any other, any other kind of common plant that grows in a specific region? But because it's unregulated and because corporations got in and saw a cash grab, there are tons of people who are playing their unethical part. And this is messed up because it means native communities who are genuinely practicing their own belief systems rather than clout chasing on social media, they're left out in the cold. Like sage poachers are a thing. There are people who are just driving by and finding little shrubs of sage, which used to grow like shoulder high. And now it's uncommon to see it more than waist high at best. Uh, they are out there and they're taking the sage. Is it specifically because of this, just you know specific things in the soil due to the climate? Is it something that could be grown in greenhouses? Let's say I was really into sage and I wanted to grow my own. It's not as easy as, say, growing rosemary, which like grows like a weed and is super resilient. I was wondering if there are any ways around this. There are. One would have to grow it to scale, though. And just like, um, just like the passenger pigeon and the buffalo, uh, a lot of a lot of people are not worried about sustainability. They're not trying to grow it on their own. They're taking it for a short-term monetary gain. Consequences be damned. Their intentions are bad. And if you believe in the spiritual side of this argument, then you know that bad intentions, just like bad vibes, can carry on over time. Uh, come on to grief. Want to shout them out. Kimone de Grief wrote a cool article over on over Advice 2020 and noted that almost all of the white sage being sold commercially, like the vast majority of it, is harvested from nature. You know, it's dereg it's unregulated rather. And the corporate euphemism for this is wildcrafted. Uh, that means that someone takes it. And then it goes through middlemen and it goes through wholesalers and then it hits the public. And just like any other trade, uh, it's probably getting stepped on, as they say, with cocaine uh, every step of the way. Step of the way. <laughs> anyway, jeez. Uh, uh, so this is often sold to the public by companies that market themselves as environmentally conscious, right? Or, oh, we're so respectful of this, that, and the third. Greenwashing. Greenwashing is another great word for it. So just for a moment, if we could exercise a little bit of empathy, let's pretend we grew up with these practices in our own community. And back in the day, for the entirety of our lives and the lives of those who came before us, when the time came, we would just go out 
and we would get our cedar or sweet grass or sage or any number of herbs and plant matter and we would get it together for the appropriate event but now native communities are finding that non-native folks are not just taking this stuff but they're threatening legal actions against the very same communities that taught them these practices in the first place that's super messed up you don't have to you know you don't have to have a political horse in the race uh and you don't uh, hopefully you don't have to like smudge your version of the internet to understand how uh paradoxical and unjust that seems what are the what's the basis for these threats about land usage is it about branding like i'm fascinated and confused property rights so let's say you're going down a state road somewhere in maybe a rural area and you see some wild sage and you pick it up and then someone comes out and says hey that's on my my property or whatever i see yeah i see then uh they would threaten action and they might have the juice uh the juice with law enforcement to enforce that action it's kind of like um if you're walking if you're, and i recommend everybody uh walk as far and as often as you can but if you're walking somewhere and you pass by um some flowers right uh would and you might want to pick one if someone catches you someone sees you picking that then are you a thief just someone who likes flowers i don't know it's i think it depends on are they wildflowers that that occurred naturally or is it something that someone has spent time and effort cultivating like when the the prince stole the witch's cabbage in uh rapunzel you know that, that was definitely some degree of thieving um it's an interesting question though like who owns you know, Pocahontas would ask this in the color of the wind. Uh, who who owns the earth? Is it possible? Yeah. So this may sound a bit sanctimonious for some of us listening today, but it is crucial to understand that these are real world problems and intergenerational. Consider something that many folks don't know from 1892 all the way up until 1978, the United States banned Native communities from practicing their own religious beliefs, including burning sage or sweetgrass or cedar. This only changed a few decades ago. History is much, much closer than it appears in your rearview mirror. How much sage do you think was burned between 1892 and 1978? I bet you in private housing, ton of sage was burned, ton of private uh, rituals were occurring just like quiet and in the shadows. Repression leads to innovation. Yes. Uh, and necessity has always been the mother of in invention. Right. Uh, the question is, why does this matter? We went from talking about whether or not clearing a house through spiritual or ritualistic means, uh, whether it works, quote unquote works to the, um, egregious, Egregious injustices visited against uh, Native American and First Nation communities. This matters for several reasons. I, I think a lot of people don't know that Native communities and their beliefs were treated as the stuff Uncle Sam doesn't want you to know for literally decades. No one talks about it. Decades. 
people were saying, you can't do that here until they realized they can make money off of it. And then they said, we're going to make money off of it. Hope that's okay. And I don't know. I mean, belief is so powerful. Like if you take an unethical tact, we see this all the time. What if you leveraged a belief system to force action on the part of believers? It happens more often than you think. What like that's how cults work, right? What if you what if you found solace though, if you're more skeptical? What if you said, I don't believe in insert this thing here, but the act of whatever we have done has helped me process some previous trauma. And then of course, what if you were a corporation? Yeah, and as I as I look uh, through Amazon listings for smudge sticks and this kind of stuff, it does appear that there are some organizations approaching corporate status um, that are growing this stuff on very very large you know tracts of land out in California and absolutely uh, selling a bit of cultural appropriation along with the uh, the. The material itself, like things like you know, smudge feathers and and guidebooks containing like you know ritualistic blessings and things like that, and certain stones and a lot of this stuff just does feel a little bit lifted from the culture and then sort of packaged and sold. And that part doesn't rub me particularly well. Do you get rubbed well? Rubbed right? Doesn't rub me particularly right. So, what if you were a corporation? To what degree would you be willing to sacrifice genuine belief system in some dark alchemy? Like, to what degree would you be comfortable commodifying ancient practices into dollar signs and bottom lines? To be completely candid, folks, we have been asked to do things that we felt unethical, to host TV franchises that purport to hunt ghosts or track down spirits. And to this day, we've refused um, and we've probably lost money doing it. But we think the vast majority of these programs are uh, exploiting people and they're insincere and aiding and abetting those unclean acts against folks in dire straits. Uh, it strikes us as profoundly offensive. We believe anybody can and should perform as their spirituality asks and indeed compels. We believe it is both good and just to defend personal spiritual practices. And, you know, don't yuck someone's yum. If you're trying to make a buck off someone's beliefs, we believe you have some serious soul searching ahead. But, you know, there it is again. The power of belief. Hey, look, you can, I totally, I feel you on that, Ben. But hey, if you're out there and you need someone to hunt ghosts for you on television, just give me a call sell out a hundred percent and so what do you think folks have you or someone you know ever used a ritual of some sort to spiritually purify a home what was your experience do you find it was valuable um do you feel that uh folks who are commodifying this sort of thing are sincere in their commodification uh or do you think they're out to make a quick buck We'd love to hear about your experience. Thank you for tuning in. We try to be easy to find online.
That's right. You can find us on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook under the handle Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you've got a phone and you want to call us and tell us how you use lemons to detect negative energy and cleanse negative energy, uh, you can call 1-833-STDWITK. It's a voicemail system. When you call in, please give us a cool nickname. We don't care what it is. We're excited to hear it. Let us know if we can use your message and voice and name on the air and those three minutes you just fill them up however you'd like to and if you got more to say they can fit in there why not instead give us a good old-fashioned email we are conspiracy at iheartradio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 